So welcome, listeners, to season two of Mosaics, a podcast from the Idaho Office for Refugees. We're thrilled to have you here and to engage with you now. We get to engage over video as well. So I'm really excited to continue this journey with you. The whole goal of Mosaics is to shed light on some of the more diverse stories of Idaho, talk to people who had a journey as new Americans to get to Idaho or people who maybe be or maybe are from here and are working to create a society of belonging. So today to that end, we have a wonderful guest with us. Her name is Andrea Soleta Schmutz, and she is in Pocatello, Idaho. Um, Andrea is originally from the Philippines and immigrated to Idaho at age 18 or to the U.S. at age 18. And she is the founder of Empowering Immigrant Women. So I'm really looking forward to getting into all of that with her today. Welcome, Andrea, to Mosaics. Thank you so much, Javi. I'm very excited to be part of this podcast. So the way we connected is you and your organization recently um, helped put on a festival for Ukrainians in your community. Um, and also, I don't actually, maybe you were part of both. Uh, there was the Friendsgiving to bring people together. And then there was also Ukrainian festival, which I believe you were involved in both of those events in Pocatello. I'm more, uh, I am more part of the uh, refugee Friendsgiving. Oh, the, Friendsgiving. Okay. The Ukrainian festival was for my friend, but I also helped her a little bit, but not so much. I think everything okay. is to her. Okay, gotcha. So I was reading um, a news article about the Friendsgiving and the whole mm -hmm. goal was to bring the community together and people from all different countries and backgrounds and just enjoy a meal together and kind of highlight your different cuisines. So I thought that was really special. Mm -hmm. And I saw this organization called Empowering Immigrant Women and got really curious and looked into it and saw that you founded this. So mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about yourself? Um, what brought you to Idaho and then your journey to create this um, really connecting organization? Yes, of course. So last year we moved to Idaho and we've just been here for a year. And we moved from Salt Lake City and I was living there for almost seven years. And then I, I was also part of the Utah Women Leadership Project and I was the Asian Outreach Coordinator. So when I moved to Pocatello, I noticed there's not a lot of immigrants and refugee organizations. And so I realized like I have to start something. And then so I started this maybe only, it's only been a year since I moved here. So it's very new project and I, it's, we're, we're still very small. So I'm the, I'm the one who did the website and we made the promotion. So it's just me on top of being a college professor. But uh, I really enjoyed it. It's not a lot of hard work, but it's, uh, it takes a lot of time, but it's very rewarding for me. Can you talk about your journey to the U.S.? What inspired you to come here? And what was it like to leave um, your home and your family in the Philippines? Yes, I moved here when I was, the first time I moved to, um, the first time I visited America was I was 16. And I kind of, just wanted to see how does it feel like living here and it was really hard so I said no I'm not going back to America it's really <laughs> cold and people are uh, it's really hard my friends are back home everything. so I didn't so I moved back so I was just here for six months and I moved back to the Philippines and I attended one one year of college in the Philippines 
then I realized that I really wanted to go back again. And so I moved back again to America and I did, I took an English test and I said, if I pass it, that means I have to, that means I'm supposed to be here. And I didn't study for the English test. And I said, I'll just do my best. And then I passed. So I said, well, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. And I've always, it's always been my dream since I was 12 to attend BYU. It's a university in Provo. It's always been my dream. And so I really worked hard to get in. But um, before getting in, I lived with my aunt and my cousins for a couple of semesters. And I, in exchange of free rent, I babysat three of my cousins while going to school at Ensign College and also working part-time. Wow, busy years for you. Mm-hmm. So you were able to to come through a student visa? Is, yes. that how it, is that how it worked out for you? Yes, so I applied for a student visa and it was the first few months was really hard. I remember I didn't, my clothes wasn't the proper clothing because I came here January of 2010. Oh. I started school in July 2010. I was really cold and I had a nosebleed and I was freezing because I didn't have proper clothing. Mm. And money is very tight because my parents paid for it but it's Philippine peso to dollars. So it's more expensive. Yeah. And you're from a place, you said Cavite in the Philippines. Can you describe what that place is like? Yes. Cavite is 30 minutes away from Manila. Manila is the capital of the Philippines. And I, it's more like a rural place. It's a province, Cavite. And I really enjoyed it because it's not very busy, unlike Manila. But it's very close to Manila where if you want to go and um, to go to Manila, it's only 30 minutes away. And when you were growing up, what did your parents do? And what was your household like? Did you speak multiple? Obviously, you speak English very well. I imagine maybe you spoke other languages. Can you talk a little bit about what that family life was like for you growing up and maybe just your home life? Yes, I'm very lucky to have wonderful parents who raised me very well and my three little sisters. So I'm the oldest of four girls. And we, um, my mom is a stay at home, but we have a family business. So our business is in the basement or in the first floor and we leave on the second floor. And, <clears throat> and so I, I really had fun growing up. And I remember I always play with my sisters and I sometimes forget to do my homework. So sometimes I fail some of my classes. And, uh, but I really, had a, I was blessed with a good childhood memories. The oldest of four girls, that's really cool. You know, I grew up with three brothers, so I have no concept of that. But now I have six nieces, and uh-huh. um, my oldest niece is the oldest of also three younger sisters. So I get to see more of what that looks like <laughs> with sisters instead of with, with brothers. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. That sounds like a really neat childhood. What was the family business on the first floor? It's photography business, and it was 
named after me. It was called Andreas Frames and Photography. And it was a very popular business in our city back in the 90s because my dad established it maybe 1992. And after digital cameras came in 2005, that's when our family just kind of went down. And eventually my dad had to close the business just a few years before the pandemic. And, but we're so grateful for that because I think we have lots of uh, employees and I remember they're like my family too. So I grew up with a lot of people in our household um, besides my, my siblings. That community feeling? Yes, the community, yes. That's really cool. You said when you came to America when you were 16 for six months, you thought, nope, too hard. And you mentioned the cold and being away from friends. But what else were you weighing? Because eventually you, mm -hmm. the weighing to come back was greater than the hardships. So how were you weighing that? What were the factors for you? Mm -hmm. I think it was my dream. I think the since I was really young, 14 maybe, I had a dream going to BYU in Provo and I had a collage in my room that says going to school there and it's just been my dream. So, so that's one of the factors because it's been my dream since I was a kid. But the other factors that I didn't want to was uh, I really miss my mom and my dad and my sisters and there was no messenger before. There was no FaceTime. There was no video call besides Skype. So I need to have a laptop. And so, and there's no Wi-Fi back then. So I have to dial like the, the internet. And so I really miss my family. So that's why I said, no, I couldn't, couldn't do this. Isn't that crazy that in just that short amount of time, how many more options we have now to stay connected? Yes, it's wonderful. Now I face my family almost every single day. And um, I'm impressed with you that you moved to Idaho a year ago and you saw a gap. And instead of just being like, oh, they don't have much of that here, you actually started something to address it. So tell me about your um, the process for you in starting Empowering Immigrant Women. Well, it all started when I was in a playground with my daughter. And I said, uh, there's really nothing going on in Idaho Falls or in Pocatello, from Pocatello all the way to Idaho Falls. I said, well, what if I started this community? Because I, I was the Asian Outreach Coordinator for Utah Women Leadership Project back in Utah. And, and so I said, I, I need to start this. This would be a good community project. So I did. I said, uh, the mission of the community was to encourage refugee and immigrant women to do informal education. And then the second one is to inform the public about them. And then the third mission is to motivate them, motivate refugee and immigrant women to develop self-confidence through their talents. So it can be if they're baking or if they're really good at dancing or Zumba or anything that their talents, I would like to motivate them to to do that. And how has that looked so far? And what has been rewarding for you about this work? Mm -hmm. Since it's really new, 
I, so I would say the one impact that I've done so far, so I have a Ukrainian refugee friend and she just had a baby, maybe one month old and she has a 12 year old daughter. She has a master's degree from Ukraine. She can't find a job here in Pocatello. And so she told me that she felt, she feels really hopeless because she wants to help, but she, she, there's no job for her. And so I found out about the Idaho launch and that Idaho launch, they will pay you to, to do a, a, a course and then they'll pay 80% of that. So I talked to her about it and she said she wants to do a quick book class. And I said, perfect, why don't you do the quick book class? And so she was able to get the 80% scholarship, but she still has to pay $600 and she doesn't have that money right now. So I said, don't worry, I'll try to find a sponsor for you. And it's really awesome because I connected her with Bridges. Bridges okay. is a refugee nonprofit agency here in Pocatello. And they actually, I collaborate with them a lot and they'll pay $600 for her class. So now she's going to do a QuickBook class starting January for free. And, and she's very happy about it. So we're going to do another event in January, actually on January 26th. And I'm going to invite Ina, that's her name, Ina. I'm going to invite her and just to, um, I want her to say something about her class so that there will be more women who will take this opportunity to, to take classes. Because right now, Ina said to me, she just wants to take this class so that she's more marketable when she applies. And, uh, and so it's, a, it's an online class and she can do it while her baby is sleeping. Wow, that is so neat that you made those connections. I work with Bridges remotely. Um, oh. You know, we're always seeing yeah. what they're doing, and I'm impressed at the small group of volunteers in Pocatello that just really care and mm-hmm. meet and try to do really concrete ways of improving people's lives and giving the stepping stones for people to have that agency to make their lives better. And that's a really cool example of how that looks when the right connections yeah. are made. So. Yeah. That's and Holly, funny. I want to say something too. Sometimes we feel like we want to help a lot of people. We want to make a difference. But there are some times that we just need to make one difference in one people's life. And that will make a huge impact. And so we don't need to try to help so much. We can, but um, I think one at a time, it's more effective than doing it really big. Yeah, that's a good point because it can feel overwhelming too when you think about the need that exists around the world mm-hmm. and just thinking about Ina's life and also like she's a very capable person that just needed maybe this stepping stone to get to that next place. And so mm-hmm. the community can help provide the stepping stone. She can take the reins and like take her life where she wants it to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool when groups are able to fill in that way where it's more of a equipping and empowering um, mm-hmm. you know, if the resources exist and there are ways to connect them, um, so that other people still have like the choice and the agency in their own lives, but they, mm-hmm. maybe that missing piece is now filled. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. That's really cool. And another thing that you were telling me about 
when we talked earlier that really intrigued me is you're um, working with the Rotary Club there in Pocatello to bring a free mental health clinic to the community on Thursdays. Can you tell me more about that? Yes. So I need to go back to this. Yes. So, so I have this idea of having a mental health services and I said, how can I do this? How can I do a free mental health? And so I know a psychiatrist here in Pocatello. And so I talked to this person. I said, what if, <laughs> well, uh, what if you do a free mental health for refugees and immigrants? And then he said, oh, I think that's really cool. And he said, I'll talk to the University of Utah psychiatry residency. And so it was very fast. I feel like it's just like a thought for me. And then it's just like when it's like a domino effect, like ding, 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 ding. And so he got the crew. And then this resident said to me, well, we need funding. I said, okay, how can we do funding? So I talked to Regis and then Regis has a founder. And this founder is a, it's a member of a Rotary Club in Pocatello. So he, he said, Oh, we love that. We love that idea. Okay, I'm going to talk to my friend who's a, like a president of the Rotary Club. So they were able, we were able to secure funding from Rotary Club. And there's another one that I totally forgot. But now there's two University of Utah psychiatry residents who are volunteering their time every Thursday. One psychiatry volunteers in the morning the other psychiatry is doing it in the afternoon. And then it's gonna keep going on because now it's actually established now for the University of Utah psychiatry mm -hmm. residency for third year students. So every year there would be a psychiatry residence at the Pocatello Faith Clinic. That's so cool. Nice work bringing that. Um, can, and you, you mentioned that um, the, psych the current psychiatry resident speaks multiple languages which is so amazing too so can you talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit more and how that yes. helps the patients this, yes this psychiatry resident he's um he's he speaks ukrainian russian spanish tagalog tagalog is for the philippines and a little bit shoshone i don't know if you know what shoshone it's a the indian tribe here and so he can speak like, like six. Wow. And, and so he told me he had a Ukrainian refugee came in, but this Ukrainian refugee didn't want it at first. It's like, no, because it's a taboo. So he said, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then they said, well, the Sahaja resident speaks Ukrainian. And then he said, oh, really? Okay, I'll try it out. So he did. And they spoke Ukrainian, full Ukrainian for the entire time. And so I think at first he didn't want it, but when he found out that this psychiatry resident speaks Ukrainian, he feel more comfortable, so he was able to do it. That's so huge to have, to be able to speak freely and comfortably. Um, and yeah, you said it, you mentioned that getting mental health help maybe felt like a taboo is that how you worded it yes yes it's a taboo because i heard from my friends like ukrainian friends filipino friends 
if you say, I'm going to a psychiatrist, they would think you're crazy, that there's something wrong with you. And so right now, when you're doing mental health services, we advertise it differently. We say, are you having trouble sleeping? Are you feeling worried? Are you sad? Are you hopeless? It's more like that instead of, are you depressed? Are you, are you, uh, are, do you have a mental health illness instead of that word? Because people get, they don't want to get judged, I think. And so, so we kind of change the names so that they're more comfortable coming into the mental health clinic. That's really interesting. I think you mentioned earlier too, like, does your stomach hurt a lot? Like the whole, how our whole bodies are tied in with how our emotional mental health is doing. So I think approaching it that way is a lot easier to wrap your head around like, okay, yeah, maybe I could talk to somebody about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then also the psychiatry resident, he goes to Ukrainian events or uh, Afghanistan events so that people know him, so they trust him more if they see him firsthand. Your approach is really interesting, and it's good for me to hear about, because um, I work at Idaho Office for Refugees, so we're a nonprofit that wants to help people, but sometimes I have to take a step back and ask myself, like, am I Americanizing this help, or am I just truly planting the seeds for solutions and collaboration in ways that make sense to people, even if they're not originally like from America. Have you found as you work um, here in the U.S. and now you're in a community organizing role, have you kind of seen any of the differences between maybe like the way an American approach might go and in the way, um, you know, maybe from the Philippines, how you would actually think about it? I'm very surprised how friendly people are in Idaho and in Pocatello. There's more connections we have than we thought we'd know. But uh, I have so many American friends here who's you know, born here. And I feel different when I talk to them. They're so nice and friendly. And... I think that I, I don't see a difference because they're very nice and, and they're very friendly. So I think just keep being friendly and also maybe like lighting the mood by using humor sometimes because Filipino, they like that. Also, Haiti, they do that. Like um, they're sarcastic. That's what they did. And Filipinos too. And so I think... I think more uh, joking, making it, lighting the mood by joking sometimes would be a good thing too. But overall, I'm very impressed with people from Idaho. They're very, very nice. They're very open. Yeah, I don't have anything with them at the moment. It's it's cool to see all the collaboration happening um, because, you know, for the Idaho Office for Refugees, we do have Boise as kind of our main resettlement city. And then Twin Falls also has about 25% of arrivals to Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, Pocatello there for a while did help with um, when you're welcoming a lot of people from Afghanistan in 2021 and 2022 after the fall mm-hmm. of Kabul. 
um, 20 to 25 people did go to Pocatello, but, and then we have our sponsor circles, the private citizens um, welcoming people. I know we have Idaho Falls has a sponsor circle that we've talked to on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. So we don't see, um, you know, we as Idaho office refugees don't have a presence in Pocatello Mm -hmm. or an office or a resettlement agency there. So it's so crucial for the community to have ownership and buy-in and, and, lift each other up um Mm -hmm. and so i think you and bridges and the rotary club um in the university of utah sending the psychiatry students like these are such crucial examples of like what it takes Mm -hmm. to have a healthy network in a state so thank you for for what you're doing and Mm -hmm. it's cool when it's on the ground because you're the one talking to your friends you're the one seeing people's needs and and what how they respond to things Mm -hmm. um so it's just a really it's a really neat thing that you're doing that you're bringing to Idaho, even though you're new here and you didn't have to do that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, you're, it's, oh, so, it's very easy. I think we try to make it, we try to make it really hard, but it's actually easy. I'll give you an example. In maybe December of last year, I was in the library here in Pocatello playing with my daughter. And then I saw this, she looked Asian to me, so I said, oh, talk to this lady and I talked to her and I found out that she just moved from Louisiana and I said oh great uh do you have any friends here and she said no we just moved here and I said okay what if what if I'm your friend (laughs) (laughs) and then she said great and then she hugged me and then I'm going to be honest now she's like one of my best friends she's from China and she has two boys. She has a five-year-old and a three-year-old. We do things together maybe twice a week. And she leaves like 10 minutes away from me. And so it doesn't need to be hard. It can just be like, you know, like preschool or kindergarten. Hey, I like you. Can we be friends? <laughs> can we simple as that? Wow, that's so cool that you formed such a connection. I love to hear that. You're also a professor. Can you talk a little bit about that? What do you teach? Yes. So I teach a political science class. And I also teach international business class. And also a higher education class. <laughs> so I teach three classes. I will be teaching three classes starting January. Right now, I'm just teaching international business class. And I love it because it's very flexible and it's online and so I don't have to go anywhere except for one except for ISU Idaho State University I have to go in there once a week I love being a professor it's it's very rewarding it's hard but it's very rewarding and it's kind of like having your daughter (laughs) it's like that yeah because it's hard it's hard work but it's rewarding after. Yeah, and I imagine teaching, is it tough to teach a political science course in in the US? Like, is it, do you get into some heated discussions or how do you kind of work through all those delicate topics? Yes, it's hard. I majored in political science. <laughs> so it was hard. It was hard for me for the first few years when I was majoring in. But now I'm teaching a peace and war class. It's 
it's within the political science department, but it's a peace and war. So it's basically like, how do you deal with peace through yourself, through your family members, through community and through the world? And then why do we, why do we have conflict and why do we have war? And so that's what I, that's what I will be teaching in January. And, and so, yes, it can be, it can get heated when they find out that uh, I'm a political science professor, but uh, I try to, uh, when I don't agree with them, I don't like add more. I just be quiet and I just nod my head and I say, okay. And then a few minutes, I would try to change the topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how much more heated the conversation around politics has gotten in the U.S. in recent years. And it can be really hard to talk about, even with like your family or your, or especially with your family. But I imagine like trying to lead a class of like young minds through some controversial topics or like heatedly divided topics that um, it's, it's really fascinating discussion, I'm sure. But it's also um, I think sometimes we don't always know how to debate these things. Sometimes it just gets emotional. So um, this space for your class is probably a special space that they can just like talk through these topics. Yeah, I agree. And I want to also say something about um, how hard it is just, you know, about family talking (laughs) to family members. Yes, it's so hard. But I always think, is this the road I'm going to go through? Like, which, which is more important, this political candidate or my relationship with this person? It's more important, my relationship with this person. So I'm not going to go and say, you're wrong mm-hmm. because this person is more important to me than this political candidate. So that's how I deal with it. Yeah, my family's been that way too. It's like relationship first above all else. That's what matters most. Um, so I'm really grateful for that too. Um, so Andrea, you are going to be helping people through your higher education in the United States class. So it's at ISU next semester. Mm-hmm. And you've told me that this class is really geared toward refugees, immigrants, single parents, or anyone that's wanting to go to college to further their education. It sounds like people can come sit in. I, I don't know for sure if they're not an ISU student. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, tell us about this class. Yes, this is so wonderful. So I pitched in this class to continuing ed. And I said, oh, no, they, when I was pitching it, they looked like they are not interested. So I said, oh, no, they don't like it. And then after I pitched it in, they said, this is so wonderful. We are really wanting this. They're like, I think this is going to be so great. And then I was so dumbfounded. I said, oh, I thought they didn't like it. <laughs> but they love it. Cards. Yeah, they love it so much that we did a podcast with Continuing Ed regarding mm-hmm. this class. And so this class will start on January 10, every Wednesday from 6 to 7. And great news because Bridges the nonprofit, they will sponsor the class. And wow. so anyone can go in either it's, so there we're, we're thinking, they're still deciding if it's free or you just have to pay $5 for the whole class. Mm-hmm. 
and it's open to all community members in Pocatello. I mean, if you're in Idaho Falls, if you want to drive, you, you're more than welcome to, but it's a long drive. But Bridges sponsored the class and they'll pay it. And so anyone can go in because it's through continuing ed. So it's open to everyone. That's so neat. Look at that. Another really cool collaboration. Yes. Wow. That's great. I'll, I'll have to check out that podcast that you had with continuing ed. And maybe we can link to it in the show notes for anyone that wants to learn more about that. Um, Andrea, is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked about yet? No, I just want to tell you about our upcoming events. So people yeah. can go. So on January 26, 2024, at 5.30, we're doing an immigrant and refugee event. And we're going to talk about, there will be students from my class, from the ISU class. They're going to talk about what they like about my class. And we're going to spread the word so that there will be more people who will register for this class for the next semester. And we're also going to talk about Idaho launch. And so there will be more people who will want to do it. And there will be a live dinner and it's at the uh, ISU Diversity Resource Center. So we would love everyone to go in and uh, we would love if you are a refugee and immigrant women, but any community members are more than welcome to come as well. And then the other event that we're trying to do is on March 8th and it's the International Women's Day. And so yes. we're gonna do it on the exact day and it's the same place, the ISU Diversity Resource Center. It's 5.30. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite refugee and immigrant women here in Pocatello who has businesses, home-baked goods, or like a handmade dolls that they did. And they're going to sell it in during our event on March 8th. And so we're working, I'm working on it, <laughs> but... Uh, I'm going to ask more people to help me, but that's basically what we're going to do. I'm going to empower these women, refugee and that women, to sell their stuff on March 8th. That's really cool. You'll, I'll have to connect with you later and get details and put it on. We have an IOR community calendar, yeah. um, so I'd love to add those to our calendar so anyone can check them out there too. Thank you so much. Great ideas. Thanks for sharing those. Um, I was curious to ask you just kind of as we wrap up, but if you were to, for any other immigrant women listening to this or men or women, um, students who are newer to America trying to find their way, if you had any advice for them or thoughts from your own experience, what would you say to them? If they're very, if they're first time here in the U.S., it's going to be really hard. It might take you a lot of years to finally be established. But please be patient to yourself because there will be an end, there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. And there will be lots of job rejections you're gonna get if you're gonna apply. That's okay, because the more you the more rejections you get, the more uh stronger you become, the more resilient you become as a person. I will tell you how many times I got rejected by jobs. 
so many that I've forgot already, maybe even a hundred times. But that's what makes you resilient because of, of the rejections. And rejections, failure doesn't, it's not a weakness, it's a strength because um, you'll be more powerful at the end. And, and so at first, be patient to yourself and be hopeful and be, pray, be, <laughs> be grateful to all of the people who help you along the way. And, and um, this is America. There's a lot of opportunities for anyone who wants to be successful. There's so many resources. You just have to reach out for them and don't be shy. But just be very patient for the first few years because it's going to be a really, it's going to be hard. But in the end, it will be okay. Thank you. Those are great words of wisdom. Well, Andrea Soleta Schmutz, thank you for being on Mosaics. You were a lovely guest. Um, she's again with Empowering Immigrant Women. I will link to her organization and contact information and events in the show notes, um, as well as Idaho Launch and Bridges, and hopefully the podcast with Continuing Ed to anyone that wants to explore more. But I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for what you're doing to make Idaho a better place to live. You're making a big difference, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.